supposed to leave. Yes, we were. Namaste. Hello and welcome to the Island Has You Lost podcast, episode 4. I'm your host, R.C. Dynasty. The Island Has You is a weekly podcast featuring news, info, spoilers, and reviews on the hit ABC drama Lost. Make sure you check out the blog at theislandhasyou.blogspot.com and leave a comment on any one of the various entries there, or you can email me at theislandhasyou at yahoo.com. All emails and comments will be addressed on the podcast, so please send them in. Season 3 has had its share of ups and downs. Many fans early on became disenchanted with the show, especially after the three-month hiatus, and didn't feel that the producers were owning up to their part of the deal of giving us answers. When in truth, they have been giving us answers, And there were a lot of questions that were answered. Now that we look back at the end of Season 3, we certainly know a lot more about Lost and what's going on with the island than we ever did before. And yet again, there are still many, many more questions which have been raised. We know how Dharma ended up going down. We know that where the others essentially came from, although there are still a lot of questions there, We know how Ben came to become the leader of the others. We also know how John Locke was paralyzed. We also know who conned Sawyer's parents. And at the end of Through the Looking Glass, we discovered something that I don't think any of us were truly prepared for. We learned that some of them did get off the island. And that was a shocking revelation that, as I said, I don't think any of us were truly prepared for. You know, I I read that spoiler on the Dark UFO blog about uh, a week ago, a few days before Greatest Hits. And when I was reading it, I was uh, a little skeptical. I thought that would be really a different direction for them to take the show. I honestly didn't think that they would go that route, and they did. And really, there's a lot of viewers who are disappointed. I will continue to watch the show. I am just a huge fan. It's definitely different than what I was expecting to see. But at the same time, it was good. I thought it was well done. Reading about it beforehand really uh, had an influence and an impact on my judgment of the show. And as I said, I was skeptical at first. But after watching it, and, and you see what Jack goes through, it was good. It was entertaining and thought-provoking and certainly uh, is a a large cliffhanger for the rest of the show. Now, as far as the Season 1 cliffhanger is concerned, the Season 1 finale, I thought that was a great finale. Um, You know, blowing the lid off the hatch, the others coming and taking Walt. Season 2's finale was pretty good, not as good as Season 1's in my opinion. When Michael and Walt are are released uh, and the hatch implodes, 
this season's finale was probably, to me, by far the best. And I thought it was the best because of the way it dealt with the characters. I have always felt, and and even Damon Lindelof, the producer of the show and co-creator of the series, said as much in in his show The Answers that they did. This story is all is about the characters. It always has been about them, uh, and and how they have dealt with this adversity. And I've always felt that uh, as a student of writing, I have always understood the impact and the power of characterization and how strong that influences a story. It doesn't matter how fantastic the setting is or, or how intricate and detailed the plot may be, if you don't have believable and likable characters, then you will fail as a storyteller. And that's really what they want to build upon in Lost, and they have done so very, very successfully. Case in point in the season finale is Charlie. Here's a character who, throughout his life, has had to deal with a tremendous amount of adversity, both on and off the island, as revealed in the show. And at the end, he willingly and knowingly accepts his fate and sacrifices himself to save the Losties. What we are led to believe, anyway, will be ultimately their rescue by disengaging the jamming equipment. We also get an example of that in the finale with Jack, you know, throughout his flash forward, which, of course, we do not realize it's a flash forward until the end, or we're not supposed to at any, at any rate. But throughout this flash forward, we see Jack in a, a terrible state. You know, he, he's a man who has lost everything in his life. You know, he's lost his his wife. He's lost his father. He's lost it all. He has no one and he's alone. And the only really truly meaningful thing that he did in his mind was being on the island and doing what he did on the island. But then again, there's this point in that story arc where we come to realize that there's something more at stake. Something happened that we haven't seen yet. The flash forward begins with Jack on an oceanic airline sitting with a drink, an alcoholic beverage, and he has a, a very thick beard, and he finishes his drink, and as the stewardess walks by, he asks for another. She politely says, we'll be landing in 20 minutes, sir, in which he responds, well, 20 minutes is a long time. And she says, well, here, have a paper instead. Will you please buck your seat? And he casually tosses the paper to the side, and he just kind of sits there for a moment. And then he looks back over at the paper, and something catches his eye. Something which we never really get a good uh, glimpse at. But something catches his eye, and, and he rips this little part out of the paper. In the next scene, we see him driving and stopping uh, at a bridge somewhere in Los Angeles. And he stops there at the bridge, and he pulls out the little piece of paper, and he starts crying. And he kind of grips the steering wheel and starts crying. Then he pulls out his phone and he tries to call someone. Uh, it goes directly to voicemail. He leaves a message very uh, emotionally overwhelmed and isn't even really able to finish the message. So he just hangs up. He then proceeds to get out of his truck and he walks over to the bridge. We then see Jack get on the side of the bridge and he's looking down. And in a very emotional moment, he looks up in the, towards the stars and, and says, Please forgive me. And as he's preparing to jump, he hears an accident behind him. We see the reflection of what appears to be uh, flames, some people yelling and screaming for help, and then he darts off to go help them. 
The key thing that I noted about that particular scene was the fact that in the end he looks up to the sky and says, please forgive me, in such a way as to acknowledge a god, uh, to acknowledge God exists. Which I find very ironic because throughout the course of the series, Jack has always been pitted as the man of science, whereas Locke has always been the man of faith. Throughout the course of the show, we've seen that. Jack's religious beliefs has never really been addressed, but we have always been led to believe that uh, Jack relies more on reason and logic uh, than faith alone. But there, uh, in his suicidal state, as he's Preparing to end his life, he looks up in the sky and looks up to the heavens and says, Please forgive me. And I thought that 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 was evidence of what may have happened on the island. In the second flash-forward scene, we see Jack being tended to at the hospital shortly after the crash. He's pulled out a woman and her her eight-year-old child uh, from the wreckage and saved their life. Uh, While he's sitting there, he has a visitor there in the emergency room, and it is Sarah, and she is pregnant. Well, she comes in, they they talk for a moment, and uh, she asks him basically if he's all right, and he says, yeah, you know, he's he's fine. And then he asks what she's doing there, and and she says, you still have me down as your emergency contact. And uh, then she asks him what he was doing out at two in the morning, driving. He doesn't really respond, and then he asks if she will give him a ride home, and she says that she does not think that that would be appropriate. At this point, uh, we're still in the mode that this is a flashback we're witnessing, uh, and that Jack is in this kind of state of mind, this state of depression, because of his divorce from his wife. And we see that she is with another man at this point, and that she is pregnant also, uh, obviously by her her new husband or boyfriend, whatever the case may be. At any rate, that's what we're led to believe at this point is that Jack is, is so overwhelmed with emotion uh, and, and sorrow because he is, is still trying to get over losing Sarah. In the third flash-forward scene, we see uh, Jack in a hospital room looking over a chart of a patient there, pulls out a little bottle of pills and pops a couple and puts it back in his pocket. A few moments later, another doctor walks in and introduces himself as Dr. Hamill, the new chief of surgery there, and meets Jack and says quite pointedly, you're the, you're the hero twice over, shakes the doctor's, the Dr. Hamill's hand at this point, uh, and he tells Dr. Hamill that he wants to perform the surgery. The, the patient there happens to be the woman that he saved the night before. She's in a serious state, and she needs an operation performed on her back. Dr. Hamill says that they're already on top of it, and that another doctor would be performing the surgery first thing in the morning. He, uh, as tactfully as possible, lets Jack know this, and tells him to go ahead and take the rest of the day off, because of what happened the night prior. And Jack hands him the chart, and says he wants to know what happens with the surgery. And he walks out, and we see him walking down the hallway. In the next flash-forward scene, we see Jack uh, riding down the road. He pulls out the little clipping that he tore off in the newspaper in the airplane. It uh, looks like he's looking for something. Uh, he's driving down, a Nirvana song is, is blaring in the background. He pulls off to the side of the road, and he looks out, and he sees a funeral parlor, which, ironically enough, is called Hoff's Drawler, which we find out later is an anagram for flash-forward. So he 
before going in, he pulls out a little phone and tries to again make this phone call. No one answers, so he just hangs up. Then proceeds to get out of this truck and walk across the street without really paying attention to where he's going. A car almost hits him. He, he walks into the funeral parlor, and it is empty. And he kind of stands there for a moment, and the funeral director comes out of his office and kind of looks at him strangely. And Jack says, you know, uh, am I late for the funeral? And uh, the funeral director says, uh, there was no fu- funeral, uh, just a viewing, and you were the only one that showed up. And Jack's kind of puzzled at this and says, no one else came. And he says no. Uh, and he asks Jack if it was friend or family, and Jack responds, neither. The funeral director then gives him his condolences and walks back into his office. Jack walks up to the casket uh, that's closed. He places his hand on the casket and kind of closes his eyes for a moment, and then he, he reaches into his his jacket pocket for his bottle of pills and realizes that he only has one left. He takes it, then proceeds to walk out of the funeral home. In the next flash-forward scene, we see Jack at a pharmacy trying to get a prescription filled. He's standing in line, and the clerk is telling him that he has run out of refills on his prescription and that she will not be able to fill it for him. He says, fine. He pulls out a prescription and hands it to her. Meanwhile, there's a gentleman in the line who says, Hey, I know you. I recognize you from television. You know, you, you're the hero. And, and Jack says, I'm no hero. And he says, Yes, yes, you are. And then uh, he looks over to the clerk and says, Lady, don't you recognize who this is and what he did? Just give this man what he wants. And she looks over at the prescription and tells him that uh, he can't write a prescription for himself. And he says, Well, that's, that's not me. That's my dad. Christian Shepherd, and she says that she will have to call it in to verify, in which he says she he's out of town, and she says, well, someone at the office can verify, and at this point he slams his fist down on the counter and, and walks out, says, don't bother, and as he's walking out, he stumbles against a rack of sunglasses and knocks it over, but I thought it was ironic what the man said uh, about Jack, and once you realize in, after the flash you know, you, we see that it is indeed a flash forward. We're saying it not a, a flashback. We realize that that what he was talking about was not Jack rescuing the women on the br- the woman and the child on the bridge, but was the rescue from the island. That is what that man is referring to. And we come to realize that later on as the sequence is over. This is also the first time we get a hint of Christian Shepherd being alive. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there who who think. That that he is alive, you know, the body's not in the casket, he's seen him on the island, etc., etc. Well, I firmly believe that Christian Shepherd is indeed dead. The body that was not in the casket could have got thrown anywhere in the jungle. Perhaps they'll never find it, probably not. Uh, but I imagine at some point the producers or writers may throw that in just to, to, to add closure to this. I do believe that the image that Jack saw was similar to the image Echo saw of his brother, and that turned out, we believe to be the smoke monster, I believe that's what Jack saw, was the smoke monster appearing to Jack as his father uh, in season one there where we saw that. Um, But strangely, his father, he mentions his father as being alive and writing the prescription, again, leading everyone to believe that we're watching a flashback. Okay, it's got to be a flashback. He's talking about his father. 
being alive. When in in reality she goes to call, he says his his father's out of town, and the reason why he says that is because his father is actually dead. He is probably well, he is forging his father's signature on the prescription. Uh, his father, Christian, is actually dead. And in the next flashback, we see Jack in the medicine cabinet there at the hospital, stealing some oxycodone. He stuffs some in his jacket pocket, and he takes one, and he walks out of the room, shuts the door behind him, and starts to go for one of the charts, and he slips and almost falls, actually does fall to his knees. The chart goes flying. And at this point, Dr. Hamill, our chief of surgery now, walks around the corner, asks Jack what he's doing. Jack picks up the paperwork off the ground and gets back up, says that he's checking on the on the Arlen, uh, the Arlen patient, the one who was in the accident, the one whom he wanted to perform surgery on. Dr. Hamill says, I tried to call you, I left three voice messages on your phone. And Jack pauses for a moment and tells him that his phone is broken. Dr. Hamill begins to tell him that the surgery went fine and that once she regained consciousness, she relayed the events that caused her to wreck, and Dr. Hamill confronts him about why he was on the bridge, uh, what he was doing up on that bridge. Jack then proceeds to ask him, do you know anything about me? you know how long I've worked here? Do you know anything about what I've been through? And Dr. Hamill says, how much have you had to drink today? And Jack looks at him and says, I tell you what, you call my father down here, and if I'm drunker than he is, then you can fire me. Dr. Hamill kind of looks at him with a strange look. Jack looks back at him and says, don't look at me like that. Don't pity me. And and Dr. Hamill says, "I'm, I'm trying to help you, Jack. And he yells at him at this point, you can't help me. And then he turns around and he, and he walks away. Obviously, uh, another allusion to Christian Shepherd being alive at this point to, to further reinforce that we are watching a flashback. Uh, in fact, the Dr. Hamill is looking at him like he's out of his mind because Christian Shepherd is dead. Obviously, Dr. Hamill is now the chief of surgery. So he's looking at him strangely. Jack could have said that for a number of reasons. Most likely, I would... Uh, chalk it up to delusions created due to the use of the drugs. And in the final flashback sequence, we see Jack in his apartment. There are empty bottles of alcohol in the sink. We see maps and compasses laid out. Uh, his house is a mess. He's laying on the floor, flipping back his phone back and forth, and he decides to make that call once again. This time, the person answers. Uh, he responds with, hey... Please don't hang up. Uh, Yes, I know what you said. Uh, Obviously, the person on the other end did not want to talk to him at this point in time. Uh, And I think most viewers were probably led to believe at this point he's, he's... It's Sarah that he's calling. Whoever it is agrees to meet him at the airport, you know, and Jack says, yeah, you know where, uh, obviously indicating that they've met before at this location. So Jack drives to the airport. Uh, he waits there for a few moments, and then another car pulls up behind him, and uh, we see out of the shadows the person gets out of the car and walks out, and it is Kate. And, and this is the moment where everyone who's watching, uh, who did not know about the, the spoiler, obviously, realizes that everything that they've been watching about him for the entire episode has not been a flashback, but we are seeing a flash forward. And, of course, you heard in the beginning of the podcast the sequence uh, of events that that took place 
Jack is obviously in a, a terrible state of mind at this point. Um, you know, there's a scene in the episode as Jack is leading everyone to the radio tower. Ben intercepts him and asks to chat with him alone for five minutes. And Ben is trying to convince Jack not to leave the island because the parachutist and these rescuers are not whom they claim to be. Ben, of course, has been known and pointed out to be a pathological and diabolical liar. Uh, so, of course, Jack does not believe him. And Ben questions him says, why do you want to go back so badly? You have nothing back there. Your wife is dead. Your father's dead. What is it that you have to get back to? And Jack really doesn't have an answer for him. And I think, which I've often thought that myself about Jack, what does he have to go back to? He's got nothing back there. Uh, It was finally said and stated that he doesn't have anything to go back for. But at the same time, he really doesn't have a reason to stay either. Uh, He's on an abandoned island. There's people trying to kill them. Obviously, he's been placed in charge of this group. You know, wants to see them rescued safely off of the island. Bottom line. He doesn't care about the island's properties. He doesn't care about the mystical elements of the island. All he knows and all he cares about is what he can reason out and, and what he can see logically. And that is that there are people on this island who are trying to hurt them and that the island itself is dangerous. Uh, That being the case, these people have got to go. Not to mention, while Jack may not have anything to go back to, the rest of them do. There's other survivors who do have lives and families to go back to. And Jack, being in the role of a leader, has taken that uh, upon himself to ensure that they do get back safely. Now the big question remains is, What next? Where do we go from here? Um, The producers are being very tight-lipped about what's what's to come. In an interview with E! Online, Damon Lindelof expressed uh, his his, uh, disdain for the fact that the spoiler was posted on the Internet ahead of time. Uh, And as a result of that, the producers have decided that they are going to be very tight-lipped and go into quote-unquote radio silence, to use a term, borrow a term from the Looking Glass episode that Ben used. They're going into a radio silence mode. So we're not going to know very much at all about what's to come with the future of Lost. And to their credit, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse have both been very, very uh, supportive of the fan base. You know, they started their podcast when they probably got a thousand other things that they could be doing with their time. They understand the devotion of the fans, and and they want to appeal to the fans, and they understand that fans have questions that they want answers to, or at least to be pointed in the right direction of what to think. But to go out and blatantly uh, spoil the episode to them was uh, crossing the line. They are going to they are going to make the internet community pay, so to speak, for crossing that line, and I think it's a good idea. Um, that finale was ruined for a vast um, uh, demographic of the audience who watched it. Um, in in general millions of terms, as far as the Nielsen ratings go, probably not a significant enough portion to matter, but enough to let them know that uh, there was definitely some kind of leak there, enough to essentially piss them off. 
So don't be expecting any lost spoilers from the producers anytime soon. However, I do have my thought on how Season 4, 5, and 6 will go down. Fans have stated that they are, are not happy or about seeing flashbacks. They they feel that they know enough about the characters and their past and, and everything involved in that regard, uh, and they don't need to re- keep revisiting that. Well, the producers are well aware of this, of course, and they've, they've, and they even stated that they've had this, what we saw in the, through the looking glass, in mind from the beginning. So they, they knew that there would come a point in time where fans would get tired of seeing flashbacks of characters and would want to see something different. Well, what they were given was flash forwards, and I know I know there were a lot of fans that were not pleased with the idea. Honestly, I was not pleased when I read it. But as I stated earlier, my thoughts and ideas uh, on the on the episode were kind of ruined. Had I saw it and not known what was going to happen, I probably I may would have a different viewpoint on it. Uh, they definitely took the show in a different direction. I liked it. I, I was skeptical at first, as I said, but I came around and and. They did it well, and they did a good job with it. But I see them taking the show in a completely different direction. Uh, we really won't know if they get rescued now in island time until next season. They're not going to give us anything. I do not think that they will be rescued at this point. I think what we'll see is them remaining on the island until the end of the show, and then we will, in the meantime, see flash-forwards of all the different characters and how the rescue affected them, and at the end, everything will fit together like a nice little puzzle. But the problem therein lies with the obvious fact that Jack and whoever is rescued, Jack feels the need that they have to go back. There's some kind of unsettled, unfinished business there on the island. And and based on what we saw in, in the Looking Glass flashback, Jack has definitely had a hard time adjusting to life back in civilization. Not everyone obviously has. Kate doesn't seem to have had any problems uh, and a lot of people have been speculating about that well how is that possible that she is uh, you know free she was supposed to be convicted of murder i imagine when we when we will see she will probably will have been granted a pardon per- perhaps even a presidential pardon uh, because something like this finding a bunch of people on a stranded island is something that never happens. If it did happen, it would be tremendous news. It would be huge. Everyone, every station, every news station, everyone on the planet would know about it. It would be humongous. Uh, it would be a, a, a news event uh, for the entire world to see. So I imagine that, that due to what she did on the island, she was probably granted a presidential pardon. The next question that we obviously have is, who is in the coffin? Who did Jack go to visit at the funeral home? I believe that that was Ben. Um, obviously, Ben is tied up If they, at this point. If they do indeed get rescued now, uh, I imagine that Jack would not leave Ben behind. He would take him back uh, to civilization, where Ben would probably face criminal charges for what happened. Hard to say. If nothing else, I believe that Ben would be placed in a mental institution, perhaps because of what they would refer to as the delusions of this ma- mystical and magical island, when in fact Ben was not having delusions that Alan does have special properties, but because that would sound absolutely insane to any normal person, they would probably throw him in a men- mental institution, not to mention he is a danger to, to society. We already know what he's done with the Dharma Initiative, and that he has ordered people to kill others. Uh, he has a kind of a James Jones 
Jonestown-ish community going there where they will do anything he says. Um, and I think that at some point he, he dies. Uh, I think probably what happens is the fact that he gets released from wherever he is, a mental institution or whatever, um, back into society, and Ben kills himself. I think that's what, what... It makes the most sense. Originally, I thought it was probably Sawyer, and that's why Jack was distraught in the beginning. Uh, but then when he meets Kate there at the airport, Kate mentions that she has to get back to him, he, or he's going to be wondering where she is, and I think he, he's going to, who the he is in that is Sawyer. I think she probably hooked up with Sawyer when they got back into civilization. Some have speculated that that was Michael who died. I do not think that that would be Michael. Could be, but I don't think so. I think really the, the two most logical choices would be John Locke or Ben. I do not think it's John because I don't think that John would have left the island at all, willingly. They would have had to drag him off kicking and screaming. I think Ben, it was definitely Ben. Uh, Ben would have had no family. He would have had no friends in civilization. He would have had no one. And why Jack was so interested and distraught, I believe, is because when he read that Ben was dead, he realized that his last hope of getting off the island, or getting back to the island, rather, was gone. Uh, Ben was really the only one, probably, who came back who would know how to get back to it. Being dead, he he can't help Jack get back to the island. Not to mention, Jack goes to the funeral. I think after he gets off the island, he realizes that, yes, Ben was a liar. Yes, Ben was devious. He was evil. But in the end, with that one aspect about them being rescued, he was right. Jack realizes that there are some serious circumstances involved with that island somewhere along the way. Obviously, that won't come to light probably until well into the fourth and fifth season as to what, what exactly is going on there. But Jack realizes that, that there's something going on that could possibly affect the entire world, and he wants to get back. He needs to get back. And I think he was very upset over Ben's death uh, because he knew that Ben was really the only one who knew how to get back to the island. Ben was probably hanging that over Jack's head once he realized what was going on. Uh, being the manip- manipulative type of person that, that he was. I think the fact that Jack said he was neither friend nor family was indicative that it was likely Ben, but it could also be John. Uh, we do realize now that Jack and John have no type of friendship or friendly relationship. Um, that's that's quite apparent at this point in the, in the game. So the biggest question is, uh, you know, who? how did it go down? Who got rescued? Obviously, why does he want to go back? The season finale did answer a few questions, but it also raised more in typical Lost fashion, and those questions will not be addressed until uh, next season. So now I'd like to touch upon uh, the story that occurred on the island uh, in between Jack's flashbacks. Jack is making a trek with the Losties to the beach. Meanwhile, he's left Jen, Bernard, and Saeed back to uh, set off the dynamite when the others come to invade the beach camp. Ben discovers that they knew about the raid because Alex told Carl. Uh, Ben decides to try and intercept Jack and the Losties, and he tells Alex to come with him. Later on, we find out that Ben is delivering Alex to her new home, he says. Obviously, her actions and Carl's actions giving the Losties a heads up wound up resulting in the death of seven of uh, the ten individuals involved in that raid. And, of course, uh, that does not bode well with, with Ben. So he's taking Alex to her new families. 
basically. Um, in another scene, we see John waking up in a ditch, uh, and we see, of all people standing there at the top of the ditch, uh, Walt. And Walt tells him to get up. John says, I can't move my legs. And he says, yes, you can, John. Get up. And, and John kind of looks at him and says, why? You know, John is at this point was about to kill himself with one of the guns he found in the ditch that was on a Dharma person, one of the dead Dharma dudes. And, and Walt tells him, there's still a lot of work to be done. And, of course, there's been a lot of speculation. Oh, Walt is back. Walt is back. Um, I do not think that Walt is back. I believe that, again, what we saw was a manifestation of the smoke monster, similar to what Echo saw, similar to what Jack saw with his uh, father. And I think that what we that we will not see Walt uh, as a permanent fixture. It would be nice. Uh, I've heard rumors that, that Michael and Walt will come back into the picture at some point, but... We don't know just yet, but I do not believe that that was Walt. Now, the actor may portray that role uh, further into the series, but I think we will see that that is the smoke monster and not Walt. Then, of course, uh, we have the meeting there, Ben, between Ben and Jack, which uh, I mentioned earlier, where Ben is trying to convince Jack not to do this. Naomi isn't who she says she is. She's going to get everyone killed, and he basically opens up to Jack and tells him what he did uh, that got all, all of Dharma killed. Jack then proceeds to beat the stuffings out of Ben once uh, Ben tricks him into thinking that Tom and uh, the others have killed Jen, Said, and Bernard after the the raid uh, ambush didn't go down quite so well. Uh, Somewhere along the way, Sawyer and Juliet leave to go down and try to intercept and help Jen, Said, and Bernard because they should have been they should have caught up with the others, with the other Losties. Hurley wants to go, but Sawyer tells him he's too big, he would get in the way, he would get them killed. So Hurley, they leave him. As we find out later on, of course, Hurley saves the day by driving the uh, Dharma van into the camp, uh, killing Price, and then leading to rescue of Saeed. Jen and Bernard, and Saeed has a great moment there, where he uh, trips up one of the guys and snaps his neck with his legs. That was, was very much a Saeed moment, um, and, and I'm, I appreciate that they used him uh, in, in such a regard uh, in this finale. Back in the underwater hatch, the two beauties... Uh, question Charlie for quite some time. Charlie's not answering their questions. Mikhail shows up as Desmond is waking up on the boat and begins shooting at him. Ben has sent Mikhail to stop Charlie and uh, Desmond from turning off the jamming device. Desmond jumps in the water and swims down to the hatch. He comes up in the moon hole where he sees Charlie tied up. Desmond hides. Uh, They come out, investigate Uh, At some point, Mikhail dives down and he comes up. Uh, He goes into the room to talk with Ben, uh, in which it's revealed that Ben lied to Mikhail. He had told the others that the underwater hatch was uh, flooded and that Bonnie and the other lady, the two that were in the looking glass hatch, were on assignment in Canada, oddly enough, which I thought was a kind of a strange, uh, uh, a strange illusion there. But um, but at any rate, Ben has lied to Mikhail. Mikhail wanted to know why. And Ben tells him, you know, everything I did, I did for the island, Mikhail. You have always been loyal to me, and just understand that I was doing the, what's best for the island. And then he tells Mikhail to shoot Charlie and the two girls, because obviously the two ladies know the code. Ben is the only other one that knows the code. So Mikhail goes out, and he shoots, um, he shoots the two girls. And as he's coming down to shoot the other girl, um, Desmond steps out from behind the corner with a spear gun and shoots Mikhail in the chest. 
Bonnie, the blonde, is lying there, dying. Charlie comes up to her after being untied and says, Hey, you know, what do you have to lose? Ben betrayed you. He lied to you. Uh, why won't you give me the code? And she does. She tells him that the code was that the the device was programmed by a mu- musician and that it was the tone uh, set to the notes of good vibrations. So Charlie goes into the room, starts typing in the code, and meanwhile Desmond gets the scuba gear together so that they can swim back up. After he enters in the code, there's an incoming transmission, and as he's about to walk out uh, of the room, he listens to the incoming transmission, and we see that it is Penny Whitmore, and she admits that Naomi was not sent by her. She doesn't know a Naomi, has no idea what's going on. She's trying to ascertain where Charlie is, and at this point, Desmond hears her, and he starts com- coming up to the room. Meanwhile, Mikhail appears uh, outside of the underwater hatch, looking through a porthole, and he pulls a hand grenade, blowing the window out, causing the room to be flooded. Charlie closes the door and locks it so that Desmond can't come in, and as the room fills up with water, he writes on his hand, Not Penny's Boat, uh, holds his hand up to the little window there at the door to give Desmond a head heads up. That is not Penny's boat. He kind of floats back, does a crucifix on his body, and, and accepts his fate and dies. And a lot of people have questioned, well, why didn't he just swim out the hole? Well, if you look at it, uh, he probably couldn't have fit through the hole. He would have died trying to get out anyway. Even if he could have fit, it probably would have been a tight squeeze. He would have probably not had enough time to get out. At any rate, um, what we saw was a, a man who accepted his fate. You know, had he not been told about it ahead of time, who knows what he would have done. The survival instinct kicks in. But he had already come to terms with what was to happen, and he accepted it and moved on. But at least he he did pass on the message to Desmond that that is not Penny's boat. So that, in a nutshell, was Through the Looking Glass. Uh, it was an excellent episode. One of the better ones I've ever seen. Probably the best overall episode, I think, of Lost I have seen. I thought it was the best season finale of all three seasons. Far surpassed season two. And it is going to take the show in a totally different direction. So, why don't we get into the spoiler section here. As always, the fans like to to find out as much information as they possibly can about the little nuances of the show. In one scene, we see Ben writing in a a diary. And, of course, when I saw that, I I knew that instantly that that was going to be a huge huge focus for the the, uh, lost fans. Several sites managed to translate some things. The screen caps section of Dark UFO, uh, there was a posting there uh, in reference of the diary, and part of it was actually translated, I guess you could say, was was readable. And here's what we have on that one page. Uh, An important meeting tonight with R and H, or M, regarding the developing situation. We are now in day three of our exodus from the village, and I am, I fear, at the summit of my tactical resources. J's, or T's, uh, agenda, which I do not question, is however a uh, unreadable and difficult one, and I could well wish we had time to prepare not merely, merely for the military strike, but for a uh, unreadable campaign in the rush. We are short on provisions, and more importantly, the uh, unreadable resupply of camp gear having been missed, and so unreadable as our water supply, uh, unreadable, we've been cut off, we look like a very sad gypsy army. 
morale, I have to say, unreadable. As the circumstances, uh, unreadable, I fear. Unreadable. And the rest is, is unreadable there. So, obviously, something is to come, and uh, and Ben is concerned, and he's annotating this in his journal, what we led to believe is his journal, uh, but it also could be an account of what's to co- what is happening uh, that he has to keep for his superiors, whoever they may be, Jacob or whomever uh, it, it may be the case. And that is really the primary spoiler um uh, or the primarily bit of information from last night's episode. Not really a spoiler, more of an Easter egg. So that pretty much sums it up for Lost Season 3, uh, Through the Looking Glass. Uh, this season has been probably, in my opinion, the best since Season 1. Uh, like I said earlier, it has had its ups and downs, but overall I do believe that it has delivered. Paramount to that has been the fact that we now have an end date for the series. So there's something that the writers can work towards. Uh, I am anxiously anticipating Season 4, as I know all of you are, and I cannot wait to see what the producers have in store for us. So again, if you have any questions or comments for me, uh, you can post them on the blog. Once again, that blog address is theislandhasyou.blogspot.com or you can send me an email at theislandhasyou at yahoo.com. This will be the last regular weekly podcast we do until February of 2008 when the show returns for its fourth season. I'd like to do one or two podcasts before season four begins in February of next year, but that will really be based on news and information that comes out ahead of time. Um, Again, I do plan on keeping my blog posted and updated throughout the summer, fall, and winter months, so feel free to check that out. It has been a great season, and I'd like to thank all of my listeners, both of you, including my wife. Um, Thank you for tuning in. And uh, look forward to seeing you again next year. Namaste.